Hello, you're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. I'm your host, Dave Lucas, NYSAC's Director of Finance and Intergovernmental Affairs. A conversation today will focus on what county officials need to know about GASB 96 lease standard implementation. We're grateful for NYSAC's partnership with the Bonadeo Group and grateful that both Tim Doyle and Keely Ann Hines from the Bonadale Group are here to join us for this conversation today. To start off, Tim, is GASB 87 and 96 some sort of a Sudoku thing, or is it is it more meaningful than that? Absolutely. I, every time I present on one of these new GASBs, I say that if you look at any of the GASBs, the first thing it'll say in there is that this, this new GASB was put forth to clarify and simplify. And usually what that means is add about five more pages to your report and uh, confuse everybody. Um, Yeah, just, you know, 87 and 96, we've been working with a a bunch of clients these last year and a half to two years with. um, Kelia and myself serve the public sector clients, about 300 governments that we serve throughout the year. Uh, We're two of the partners within that public sector group. I primarily focus on consulting, which which includes budgeting, internal control assessments, standards, implementation, such as these. Um, Keeley focuses on the assurance side or audit side, if you will, including financial and compliance audits, DOT closeouts that some of our uh, counties work with as well. Um, Yeah, in terms of 87 and 96, um, so... We're going to be at a very high level on these items. We could talk about it all day. I'm sure everybody would love to hear eight hours of 87 and 96, but we have approximately 20 to 30 minutes today. Um, so, you know, in a nutshell, 87 was the least standard. And really what it required you to do is put on your balance sheet long-term transactions where you're paying and you've historically recorded those on a pay-as-you-go basis you're required to capitalize those transactions with both the debt piece of it, as well as the asset piece of it. And uh, 96 is very similar, but it's for subscription-based information technology agreements, Uh, software, certain IT things that we'll talk about as we go through this. Uh, And both of them have similar identifiers, if you will. Um, Is it greater, are you using it for greater than 12 months? That's a key thing. Is it an exchange transaction, meaning are you giving fair value up for what you're receiving? Um, And then also, do you have control of the asset to be able to use it? Um, 87, the lease standard also talks about ownership, not transferring. So the person you're using it from still retains ownership. Uh, Subscription type information, there really isn't an ownership piece of it, but the same 12 months in exchange. Um, Ultimately, it requires capitalization on your balance sheet, and a lot of significant disclosures. Um, Future maturities, the nature of the transaction, the terms in terms of are there option years, options to terminate, all of those kind of things. Um, In the last year, we've had seven consultants that are focused solely on this, and we've assisted over 150 governments with about 400 reports in the last year or so. Um, the, The approach we've taken is that we're providing service, not software. There are some software providers out there that allow you to put the information in and get some of the information. Um, However, we're a very hands-on approach where we actually work with you on the journal entries, the disclosures, um, all of that. 
Um, I would say if you're looking for more information on 87 and 96, certainly go to our webpage. You'll see we have some implementation guides as well. Thank you, Tim. That's a great 30,000 foot view of what I'm sure is a uh, much more complicated and long process uh, to get through as, as we go uh, through our regular accounting. So now that we have that that overview of 87 and 96 and how it will affect our financial reporting um, in accordance with GAAP, what impact, Keeley, will these new standards have on the audit side? What should be, counties be looking for and preparing for? Yeah, so um, again, the you know to step back and and talk through what the role is and, and the purpose of our audit. Um, the the purpose is for uh, we as the independent auditors to provide an opinion on whether uh, the county's financial statements are presented fairly in accordance with GAAP. Um, so with that. Uh, said that includes any sort of new uh, accounting standards and of course 87 and 96. So in, in terms of what to expect from your audit as part of adopting and implementing those new standards is certainly your auditors will have to obtain a, a thorough understanding of the county's leasing activity. Um, so what that includes is uh, the quantity and volume of leasing transactions, um, nature of those contracts and transactions that could in fact fall within the scope of 87 and 96, um, whether these transactions are uh, or arrangements are material to the financial statements. So, you know, for instance, if um, all that is being leased is simply some copy machines and a mail machine, those may not have a material significant impact on the county uh, and therefore may not require a whole lot of attention. However, if fleets of vehicles and building spaces and we start talking about large dollar amounts, it's going to have a much uh, more significant impact on the county and their financial reporting and thus our audit procedures. Um, what we need to do is also obtain an understanding of management's implementation and monitoring plan. So one of the things that we've been doing is having those upfront early on conversations with our county clients to say, what are you doing to ensure a solid understanding and adoption and an implementation plan around um, 87 and 96? And what are you doing to identify all of those potential leases and subscription-based IT arrangements? And then beyond adoption and implementation, of course, is that there's that continuous monitoring for any sort of new arrangements and contracts that the county may get involved in. Um, and with that understanding really helps us to identify and calculate what we refer to as our inherent risk. So without getting um, too oddity in, in terms of what happens behind the scenes when, when your auditor is developing an audit strategy and our corresponding audit programs, we have to consider inherent risk and control risk in determining where there may be risk for material misstatements. So again, looping back to what is the overall objective of the audit, we as the auditors wanna provide a, a level of assurance that in our opinion, those financial statements are fairly presented. So um, the audit standards say in doing that, we are going to determine where that risk of material misstatement may take place in your financial statements. Um, so the inherent risk is really risks that exist 
absent the most beautifully designed and perfect, perfectly executed um, control environment. And so, you know, really it is how it sounds, just given the fact that GASB 87 and 96 are new, and there's some complications around um, the recording of those transactions and the footnote disclosures, our inherent risk goes up. And so ultimately that risk for material misstatement is driven up. And when that happens, we have to perform substantive procedures that are very specifically tailored to respond to those risks to ensure that we can get comfort that those transactions and those standards have been properly adopted and implemented. So as a follow-up, I mean, where do you see the most inherent risks more often? And, you know, what are some of those substantive procedures uh, we would expect in order to perform linked to those specific situations? Yeah, um, great question. I think the, the few assertions where we're seeing uh, the most significant increase in risk is around uh, completeness, accuracy, and presentation. Um, so in very simple terms, uh, especially at the point of adoption, as we all navigate these new standards, we really worry about whether our, did we capture everything? Did we look and review at, review all of those potentially applicable arrangements that could meet the definition of 87 and 96? Um, so in terms of what we would perform as part of our audit procedures is often um, simple inquiry and understanding of what's taking place by your procurement and purchasing agents. Um, what are they seeing? What types of arrangements um, is, is the county engaging in? And then, of course, you know, really scanning and looking at your general ledger detail. Are we seeing reoccurring payments that could indicate some sort of monthly rental or some sort of leasing arrangement? Um, looking for specific terminology, um, such as leasing, rent, things of that nature. And then, of course, considering certain vendors um, that may be reoccurring um, lessors, um, you know, or even lessees in the event that the county may be actually serving as a lessor. Um, we may uh, want to take a look at any new vendors that are set up during the fiscal year that then could prompt us to say, okay, what types of transactions are being incurred with those new vendors? Um, taking a look right at the source documents of service and supply contracts, and possibly even going so far as um, being aware or physically inspecting um, assets and corresponding documentation. So, you know, a new fleet of vehicles would very much prompt a, a question on our part as the auditors in terms of how were those purchased, how did you finance those, so on and so forth. With regards to um, accuracy, uh, with the, the adoption of these two standards and the implementation and continuing reporting that comes with these two standards are some pretty significant inputs as it relates to um, accurate uh, payments, the terms of those arrangements, uh, dates, any sort of discount rates, um, and then really some complications can come into play when there's 
um, escalations in terms of the amounts that may be paid or collected, if a lessor, as, as the passage of time takes place or buyout options or caveats for um, certain uh, quantitative or qualitative factors to take place that may then trigger a change in those uh, leasing payments. Um, and then, of course, you know, we taking a look at those inputs for accuracy and completeness in relation to those contracts, we may do some um, recalculations for reasonableness. And then lastly, as I had mentioned, um, risks around presentation. So as Tim had, had referenced, um, no new standard uh, comes easy these days. And so in addition to the actual debits and credits, and recording these adjustments, there's a whole host of footnote disclosures that come into play. Uh, so when we provide an opinion on the fair presentation of those financial statements, it includes the, the corresponding footnotes. Um, so we wanna take a look at those, ensure that they're accurate and that they're complete and that they're consistent with generally accepted accounting principles. Thank you, Keely, that was very helpful. So Tim, I, as another follow-up, what are the, some of the unusual things you, you're seeing, your teams are seeing in the work with clients implementing uh, GASB 96? Sure, absolutely. And, and most of the, well, all of the counties should have had to have addressed last year um, in their financials GASB 87. So some of the things are somewhat similar here, uh, but again, they, they, they relate to uh, IT-related items here. Um, but one of the things I would just say is um, we're finding with the GASB 96 side of things is they really have to get their IT department involved because often the IT department is has centralized what subscriptions for IT related um, assets they're utilizing. Um, so usually we're, we're having those kickoff meetings with the county. And last year when we had those kickoff meetings with regards to GASB 87, it was more with the, the business office and such. Now it's we're really seeing more of the business office and the IT folks and the business offices don't often have readily available all of the information. So, you know, we would just say you definitely want to get involved with your IT department very, very soon so that you can start determining what you have. Um, the some of the things that we've seen there that 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 are GASB 96 items, depending upon their terms, tax collection software water plant monitoring software, meter reading. Uh, in some instances, a lot of local governments have gone to meter reading that's that's cloud-based. Um, police national databases. Um, we've seen in the police departments and the sheriff's departments a lot of use of, of IT software that allows them to access national databases for information. Uh, phone systems was actually something we saw originally on the GASB 87 side where people physically had phones that they had purchased, um, but they were IP, uh, internet protocol phones uh, or voice over internet. And there was a software attached to that that allows them to, to communicate amongst the network. So there's a software piece there as well. Um, you're really looking, if I go back to the definition of GASB 96, um, do I have the right to use somebody else's information technology asset for a period of greater than a year and I'm paying fair compensation for it. Um, some of the things that when you think subscription-based, a lot of an IT, a lot of folks are thinking naturally software. 
Uh, but there are some other things that that you use that are still under that um, under that umbrella, if you will. Um, use of another's network, use of another's um, hard drive. So sometimes there's you're you're utilizing space on somebody's server um, that also fits into this. Um, carved out of this is uh, IT um, user support, okay, or help desk type things. Um, the only caveat to that is if you've got a bill that is a service that includes those items but does not break those items out, the standard says you go ahead and you include those in the valuation of that SABIDA. Um, but otherwise, if they are broken out, the IT support services would not be included. So that's, you know, that's something a little tricky. The other thing that we saw in GASB 87, and it's also in 96, is substance over form. So we ran into last year when we were looking at all of these agreements. There were a lot of agreements that, that were titled lease. But when you look at these reporting standards, they didn't fit into that standard. So just because it says it's a lease doesn't mean it's a lease. I also read some that said, literally said in the, the lease document, under no circumstances should this be considered a lease. Now, keep in mind, these were written before the standards in many instances. They're not really, they're looking at it as a legal document in, ter in the terms that they're using. But from an accounting and reporting standpoint, we have to look at it as what are the criteria that determines whether it's a lease or in this case, a Sabita. So I would just say yeah, it's very important to read the agreements or if we're assisting, provide the agreements, we'll review them, but you can't just go by the, the name. It's really substance over form. The other thing we see um, in both leases and Sabitas is the carve out for perpetual leases or Sabita agreements. And so those are agreements that just go on forever. And they basically say, you can't really value that. Those get excluded. There is a specific Q&A um, as a follow-up to the standard. They put implementation guides out after the fact. And there is a specific Q&A that talks a little bit about this. One of the tricky ones is if you have an agreement that says that it will renew automatically annually, other than you giving 30 days, 90 days, whatever it is, notice that you want to end it. That is not a perpetual agreement. That's considered, as the standard puts it, that is an initial term and a series of one-year termination options that have to be evaluated. So again, perpetual could say in the agreement it's per perpetual. You could think it's perpetual because, hey, until you tell us this is going to go on, that's a little different. So that's, you know, that's a nuance we've seen a lot of there. Um, we talked before about the IT services. You could be using a um, server network, those types of things. Um, variable payments, that's another thing. So the variable payments in both the lease and the GASB 96 standard, it basically says, do not consider variable payments as part of your valuation. And an example of a variable payment would be if I have a software that they charge me every year a base fee of $2,000, and then they charge me a per transaction additional fee as part of that, that per transaction fee is a variable fee. You don't know how many transactions you're going to have. Uh, you can't really value it. That would be an example of a variable payment. Now, here's the tricky part. Not considered as part of the valuation of that Sabita. However, 
going back to some of the things that, that Keeley had mentioned, in your disclosures, you are still required to note what the variable payments were for that year. So if I had a $2,000 base fee and there were another in that particular year, another $4,000, I'd need to footnote that to say, hey, there were additionally variable payments of this this year. Um, the standards require you to have in your disclosures five-year increments of payments due to you if it's a receivable under the lease standard or payables for both the SABITA and the lease standard. Um, those can only be things that you can actually value. So that's why they, they talk about the base fees and leaving the variable payments out. So we find when you're looking at the agreements, that can be tricky. You've got you to know what you're looking for. You know, luckily, our seven folks that go through these and comb through these all the time, after a while, they've gotten used to the same type of agreements and they sort of know where to look on, on those. Um, again, we mentioned network and hard drive. That's that's something to think about. Um, and from the lease standard, going back to that, we saw some different things last year. Um, we saw when I think of counties, uh, there were a lot of counties that were uh, providing parking lot space to maybe some of their local municipalities. Uh, maybe it's a number of spots, maybe it's the entire parking lot. Um, think about those kind of things too. It's an asset of yours that somebody else is using. And if they're using it for greater than a year and providing you reasonable compensation, uh, then that's something to include as well. But those are some of the things both from an 87 and more from a 96 perspective that you know, that we've seen in this last year that are a little tricky. Um, and we've we've just recently finished up all of our school districts with the Sabitas and are wrapping up our community college. And our next group is the 1231 year end. So our cities, counties, towns and such. So we'll continue to see more of those with the Sabitas. But again, early, early indications are we've seen tax collection software, water plant monitoring, meter reading, police national databases, phone systems. The fiscal software often uh, is one that we're seeing as well. Great, thank you, Tim. So we're nearing the end of our conversation today. I just wanted to ask Keeley, if you could leave New York, New York's county officials with one piece of advice around the implementation and continuous monitoring of these standards, what would it be? Uh, yeah, it would be to not wait. <laughs> um, I think it's really um, critical that you uh, think about this now. Um, reach out, speak to your auditors, reach out to our um, consulting group if assistance is needed. Um, really uh, starting to go through those contracts and those potential arrangements that could be applicable um, sooner than later is, is going to make everything run a, a bit smoother and ensure that your financial reporting is, is accurate and complete. And his, as Tim had said, especially with um, GASB 96, maybe really taking a step back and thinking about um, the individuals that should be sitting at the table and, and getting engaged in this conversation, um, whether it be your IT, uh, uh, IT professionals or um, your purchasing agents, you know, the folks that can really help provide additional insight for what may have been happening in the last um, year or so. And then certainly uh, looking ahead at developing uh, your system and your monitoring process for when those new transactions come through the county um, so that you can identify those 
in real time, ensure that you have all of them so that at year end, you aren't trying to review back through 12 months of transactions. Thank you. It sounds like good advice there. So I wanted to thank you both for being here today. We've been joined by Tim Doyle and Keely Ann Hines from the Bonadale Group. Uh, we appreciate both your time and expertise you shared with us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in for more county government-focused conversations, and make sure to subscribe to stay up to date.